Hello and uh, welcome to another edition of the Batalbot Sports Podcast with myself, Ford Cooksley, and my right-hand man, Josh Tobin. How are you, Josh? Good, but another week in lockdown done. Yeah, another one struck off. Uh, another week closer to some live local sport, hopefully. But uh, yeah. same old, but cracking yeah. on with the work and get my head down. Five Ks are still going strong as well, so. Good, good. I was thinking, but I was, uh, I was work. Um, yeah, it's all right. Um, bit tough trying to trying to do some sessions uh, over the iPad, but we get in there. Lots of analysis, lots of sitting down in front of the computer watching rugby. But yeah, it's going all right. Um, nice to see Patol, but only having thirty cases yesterday, so that's a good sign. Um, and our lowest seven-day average since November in Wales. So hopefully. Fingers crossed there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. But, um, Josh, you were introduce our guest today and uh, and our, our superstar. Well, I don't, <laughs> both I don't wearing, know. You're both wearing horrendous shirts, uh, Liverpool shirts, so I'm just going to leave it up to you too. Well, I, I don't think I'm going to ask guests any introduction, but obviously massive name in Welsh Netball and Patalbatown legend, in particularly in Baglan. Like everyone in Baglan especially knows exactly who this person is. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Wendy Blair then. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I've even put a bit of lip me on today as well. <laughs> You're on it. <laughs> I, I, haven't last... I haven't got anything on mine from my shirt down. All right? <laughs> <laughs> for God's sake. I love it. I love it. Josh, um, we've got a bit of an interesting drink uh, beer of the week this week, haven't we? Uh, by, uh, influenced by the uh, guests. So, Josh, what have we got? We have, so uh, we've got Drink of the Week first, for because I know you and Wendy on it, and, and to yeah. be fair, Wendy's brought a bit of class to the pod. Yeah. You know, a bit of class, what we've needed for over the last couple of months, isn't it? Absolutely, um, absolutely. We've uh, going on 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 the, um, yeah, Wendy and Ford are on the carver tonight. Mm. Yes, cheers. Cheers, cheers Wendy. Cheers, Wendy. Yes, cheers. Oh. And, uh, as ever, I'll, I'll, I'll check my beer. Looks like you enjoyed that, Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I nipped I, I nipped up the spa earlier to see if there was any car there, but it wasn't. So so I'll do a beer of the week. I've gone for Cobra this week. Um nice. everyone knows what a cobra is. I don't think anybody needs to go in, into it, but uh no. what I'm missing now is a is a awesome. something. Yeah, it just reminds me of the shah really and waiting yeah. for, for a beer for <laughs> some food. So uh, Yeah, it's the only oh. time I ever drank Cobra as well. Yeah. It's a lovely pint, that's the problem. It's a really nice pint, but I won't buy it unless I'm in the shah. Yeah, and the problem is you didn't didn't know it was a really nice pint because you were absolutely steaming drinking yeah. it. <laughs> the time you got in the shower, let's face it, nobody ever went in there sober, did we? Good old well, shower. Apparently, the guy who uh, the guy who created Cobra, uh, Karen Billamoria, uh, decided to make Cobra because he thought British beer was too fizzy. So he need uh, he thought they needed a, a nicer beer to enjoy a curry with. And, and to be fair to him, I think he's cracked it. So, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, Cobra be the week, good with a curry. Yeah, Great. nice to the Cobra. And just before we go into it, obviously, um, sad day for Batol, but in uh, terms of a Batol, but town football stalwart Eddie Phillips passing away. Um, he was a great club man for Batol, but and well renowned. So, uh, Eddie, um, much uh, thoughts and prayers with your family and everyone who's surrounded 
by you and everyone who met you along the way. So a toast, I think, to, to Eddie Phillips. Eddie Phillips. Yes. No, as you say, there's, uh, there's been loads of tribute to coming through on social media. And uh, I think Wales Online did an article on him today, which I saw. Um, plenty of feedback from from players, you know, from I, th- I think he, well, they said he's been part of the club over 50 years. I certainly remember Eddie being there when I was playing uh, junior football and youth footballer. And I think the academy started up when I was playing and he was a big driving force behind. I don't think he missed any ga- uh, junior game I played in, to be honest. And that's, you know, added on to the, the senior section. So, yeah, Batalba Le- Town Football Club and a Batalba Town legend uh, would be sorely missed, I think. Yeah, here, here, Josh. So- yeah, yeah. Now, let's get into the main event. So, and Josh, let's kick it off. Go on, then. So, when obviously, obviously, what, uh, obviously, on this podcast, we like to get people on and discuss sort of their sporting backgrounds and some stuff they've been involved with. But um, we'll start right at the beginning. What, uh, you know, what does sport mean to you, not only in the town, but, all, you know, overall? Um, yeah, yeah, for me, sport is everything. Um, I didn't come from a sporting background either. Nobody in my family plays sport. Um, my sister did a bit of oodles when she was in Samfield's comp. Um, but no, I mean, I just had a love for netball when I was in school. But again, going back to school, we were only offered netball. Well, you probably know what it was like in school. It was netball yeah. or hockey for the girls. Only rugby in Glenavon. They weren't even allowed to play football in Glenavon. The boys weren't. Um, and basically, I mean, I... Um, started my career really in netball, sort of took off after I left school. Um, you obviously know Caroline Lloyd, Caroline Jack. Yeah. Uh, well, Caroline and I used to work on the provisions counter in Tesco's. So I used to play against Caroline in school and some fields were phenomenal at sport, you know, everything from rugby, football, netball. Um, and our school wasn't particularly good. So when I went to work in Tesco's, I met Caroline and Caroline said, why don't you come down and play for the Lido? Oh, I know, it's a dirty word, I know. What's your mouth felt when? Oh, I know that. I like, got to do it, I got it. But no, so I started training down the Lido um, when I was 16 um, and sort of found out that I wasn't particularly bad at netball. Um, so I quickly progressed then through to county uh played for the county um and then got selected then uh for the welsh under 21s so which was um which was massive really for us down here because we the old west glamorgan we were then i mean the welsh team used to be made up of anybody that lived in cardiff or newport you know or gwent as it was called then yeah um nobody from west glam ever got into any of the Welsh squads, but four of us got in that year. So it was a, a real massive thing for us. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's really how netball started for me. As I said, we didn't really have much opportunity to play any other sports growing up. I mean, opportunities now for girls is far wider than it was ever for us. As I said, it was netball and hockey, netball or hockey in school. And that was that, you know, so. I think even when I was there, when in Glenavon, it was exactly the same. I don't, I don't even yeah. think hockey. I don't even think hockey was an, an option when I was there, to be honest. Well, um, Sarah, oh, I can't think of her surname now. She used to take the hockey when I was there. It was Mrs. Wilkes. Obviously, Mrs. Thomas, then she was. Um, 
but the boys weren't even allowed to play football. I remember Dan and the boys used to get together and say to Steve Thomas, you know, oh, look, you know, can we form a football team? Because we're pretty good, you know. Yeah. Um, and they were told flat no, you know. Yeah. The, teacher, the teacher was into one sport. That was all that was you were allowed sport, to like... play. Yeah. Well, that was, that was the same when I was there, to be honest. It was, um, I think the girls were literally, it was just netball. Yeah. Just netball. Or rounders. Netball or rounders. And then the boys were, it was just football. Uh, just rugby, sorry. Yeah. I think, it, I think it took until about year 10, probably the same as Dan, to be honest. There's loads of us who played like for Talbot on a, on a Saturday and there was a few other boys who played for Bagman. Um, I think Mr. Southall was our IT teacher. Oh, right, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I think he mentioned something about oh, the school should have a football team and, you know, all of us jumped on the back of that straight away. We were like, well, we got boys from Trevelyan, Bagham, at all, but you know, we got easily 15 boys. Yeah. I think the last two years then, we managed to get some fixtures, but there was no training, like, so it was still just rugby training from year seven to year 11, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but obviously... Like obviously, Glenavon and Sandfields and have all formed now into that Bay Baglin. And um, I've got to say, every time I drive past or, or run past or ever, there's a bit of envy with the facilities you see outside. In it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The football, rugby, and stuff. It's well, mad, we but... trained outside on the concrete yard, didn't we? Yeah. And the boys, the boys had long lens. Um, yeah, it was like a twenty-minute bus saw from uh, Patalba. It was the slow the bus. But it, but if, yeah, but I remember Dan's uh, Dan's lot. They never tri- they only played down in Longlands. They trained yeah. out the yard, you know. So and when you look, then you look you look down at like you said a Skull Bay Bagler now, and they've got the four G pitch out there. You know, so, it's, yeah. it's amazing facilities now. That's all we had, I think, was one games less than a week, which was like an hour down Longlands. The first twenty minutes of that was driving down. <laughs> 20 minutes throwing a rugby ball around and then 20 minutes drive back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Last week when James was on, we were all sat at the back of a bus on the way to the games, like working out moves and stuff. That's all we had. Oh, God, yeah. And now yeah, we go exactly. past, we've got the 4G rugby, 3G football. Yeah, uh, top coaches. Yeah, top coaches and stuff. But, you know, it's, well, let's hope that uh, that's the start of producing a lot more internationals from... Oh, God, I hope so, Yeah. But uh, funny you mentioned with the uh, the Welsh setup as well that went. Before, I'm not sure if it's the same with the, with the rugby age groups, but definitely um, not so much a boys' club as well as football. But like definitely the Welsh the Welsh cricket setup. It was, it was always uh, players from uh, Gwent, Cardiff, the Vale. Like Phil I think it's Gordon. just more of a shop window up there. To be honest with you, I mean, even now for me. Um, you know, the Welsh coaches, and, and I get really frustrated. I mean, loads of people have sort of said to me in the past, it's the only thing that I haven't really done is gone up that high, but I'm not qualified to coach in, at international level. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, it's almost like, you know, I mean, they've, they've last year they had, um, they had a coach who was from Australia. Um, now, you know, I'm sorry, but she lived in Australia and she flew back and forth. Now, I just can't see how that can work, you know. And I'm not saying you always got to have a coach that's from that country, but just have somebody who would live at least lives less than a plane, you know, a flight away. Yeah. Um, you know, because all this pe- all these people were were, were were putting funding in to the Welsh netball, and and no, we weren't getting anywhere. We weren't getting any better. Uh, we didn't make the World Cup, uh, and I just think, you know. You know, we need to strip it all back. Um, but like I said, Newport and Gwent, oh, they, they used to make up the, all the Welsh netball squads. 
and no coaches would ever come down to West Glam and, and watch us playing, yeah. you know. Um, and even in trials, you know, you know what it's like. You go to trials and people who are, who are already established players will all stick together. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got the, the few people who get invited along for a trial and they're like the newbies. Um, and you can often just get shut out of a game. You know, I've seen it happen. I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, you know, they, they, you know, in certain positions, they'll completely leave out the player um, because their friend plays in that position. Um, and I suppose, Ford, you've probably seen it in rugby as well over the years. And so, yeah. I, you know, and, and I, I've seen it and I've dealt with it, you know. Um, but, yeah, from, from a netball point of view, um, I just think in Wales, netball's just going backwards. And I think eventually, yeah, I think it's just a day in sport. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say, but I just think there's just not, um, there's not the funding. Um, you know, we, we just seem to be falling back, you know, down the rankings. Um, and I just feel that we need to strip it all back. We need to go back to sending scouts out. Um, again, if you don't play up in the Cardiff League then no, nobody sees anybody else around the country. You know, the coaches, they don't go to North Wales, they don't go to mm. South Wales, they don't go to East Wales. They only literally look. So if you don't play in the Cardiff League, you've got no chance of being in the shop window, you know, so... But to be fair, I think the only... Obviously, like with school and college, you know, a lot of girls play netball, a lot of them still do. I think the only one, the only one that I know that went far, and, and you know her when, Claire Jones... Uh, I was in college with Claire from the yeah. OC. She went on to play for the Celtic Dragons, didn't she? Yes. Uh, but, she, but obviously, she went to uni in Exeter. So, as, uh, yeah. as, as you said, they're getting picked up. She was obviously Exeter, I think, in the in, in the top bucks league in netball anyway. So, she yeah. got exposure that way. But, like, it's a question for you, Ford, as well. It's funny you mentioned about um, you know, the head, you said the coach is coming from Australia, flying back and forth. Mm. And a part of it, like the cricket Wales now, has been sort of mentioned as when you just said but was stripping back and stuff and and, and one of the uh, so when the top is going on was is there too much emphasis on the coaching badge so mm, yeah you, you know you could have a lot of players ex-players you've got a, you know loads of knowledge around the sport a lot of ideas to give but essentially you're picking someone based on what they got on a piece of paper whereas you know is there an argument for you know picking the right person rather than the best qualified Yeah, from a, from my point of view, yeah, I because I, I'm living it at the minute. Um, I've been uh, folk song coaching for about nine on ten, nearly ten years, which is making me feel a bit old now. But I know I'm still at least ten years away from getting any credentials in terms of um, any professional jobs. So, um, and and it, it like you said with the badges, it it kind of takes um, the everyday man out there sometimes because the the cost of the, the courses as you go up I know level I'm mm-hmm. do level three next which which work uh thankfully work are gonna um donate some money to which would be great but level four is is another uh financial cost on top there so I think you've got to you've got to be really good at your sport which and there's so many coaches I work with now who, who, who are not nowhere near it but nowhere near a job, but very, very good coaches. And I think, especially, um, like you've said, it, it, it is badger sometimes, more over, um, over the knowledge. And 
and that's a, a big challenge for me in my in, in my career, which I'm going through now. And yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. That there's a lot more badges than than the knowledge of them in there. And, and I, I certainly I don't know what it's like in other sports, but 100% with rugby. Yeah, and I definitely I agree with you there. And I think sometimes people just can't afford it. You know, people have got the talent um, and they've got the, um, you know, they, they know their sport inside and out. Um, but they just haven't, like you said, they, 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 they put the prices on these um, qualifications and people just can't get, they can't, you know, some of them an extortionate amounts of money. Yeah. You know, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what it's like with rugby um, when you get to the sort of, you know, the higher levels. But I know that. Even to get on, I think, even to start with, like, um, well, it used to be the old level one in netball coaching. I think that was something like £80. And then it just it just goes up and up and up. Um, and, you know, people just say, oh, well, you know. And it's people are just falling through falling through the, the loop. You know, they've, they're, falling, they're falling out of the system because they can't afford to go on coaching courses, which is a shame because, like you said about rugby forward, you know, there's a lot of talent out there. Um, and just because you haven't got a qualification doesn't mean to say you can't be a good coach. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And um, yeah, that's why people become volunteers. Yeah, exactly. And that, it, it is. And that's and it's so much good talent. Like, look, if you look at Batalbot, some of the coaches around Batalbot that have been there coaching the, the local teams is, is fantastic. And um, we're, we're all being successful. And, and I think we got there every club in Batalba's gutted that um, the season got cut short because everyone was oh, in the yeah. trophy. So um, one one more name I'd mention that's, that's come out of the um, netball system from this age is, is Meg Powell. But Meg got to go oh, to, yeah. Meg got to go to Hartbury to, to be recognised and, and then she signed for Celtic Dragons and now she's got a, a young baby. But yes, yes. Meg was um, Meg was another one who had to go to Hartbury to be to be recognised. So I hundred percent agree with your point on on um, uh, regionalization. Um, the best thing for, for rugby was them splitting into four regions because everyone played each other. So you get to see people. It still happens. Yeah. But yeah. I had this discussion um, uh, a couple of weeks ago that now there's so many coaches up the top who are there for a job. It's not, it's gone away kind of from a, a favoritism kind of thing. It might be in their region, their favoritism, but not as in I'll pick him for. But there was certainly before the regions, and I've seen it uh, certainly at a younger level that sometimes you, you come out to a selection meeting trying to kind of cringe in because you've listened oh, yeah. to the comments and it's, it's, it's bonkers sometimes. Yeah, and it's so blatant, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. people got people, some people got so much front. Mm. You know, it's unbelievable. Like you said, we've we've all seen it throughout our you know our yeah. careers. In the in the words of my good mate Callum Bynan, more front than Bournemouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> it is it is definitely true though, isn't it? Like all three of us have been involved in trials days and stuff. And as you said, when when the trials are not maybe run properly and you've got a massive group of people from the same team, you said you, you turn up. Oh your God! They block you out or. Oh, I've seen it, John. Honestly, I've seen it with my own eyes in my own trials, you know, and I've had to pull people one side and I've sort of said to them, you know, look, I can see exactly what you're doing, you know, don't think I can't see what you're doing and it's not going to work, like, you know. um, So, you know, you need to sort of sort yourselves out. 
um, you know, because I can see it, you know, I can see immediately what they're trying to do. Uh, and it's childish, you know, grow up like you're not in school now. You know, you, you play in a you play in a sport and, you, and you know, who's I mean, I've got seven teams in my club, you know, and you can't all play with your friends, I'm afraid. You know, this is what I always say to people when we do in selection. Look, there are only seven places in each team. So unfortunately, I've got to make some really tough decisions about who plays in the first team. And then it goes down from there. You start with your top team and work down. But, I, you know, I said, you know, I, just because, I mean, sisters, I've, I've had to split up, you know, because, oh, well, we can only play on the same night. Well, I'm sorry, it's tough. You know, one of you is more is is, is you know is is better than the other one. I'm afraid. And that's a you pretty know? good to- topic to go on to. Sorry, Wen, for cutting you out. But we've all been in that situation with selection. I know Josh had a couple of uh, tough selections to to do with the cricket. So Josh, how did you deal with with selections in terms of trying to? Because basically, you were captaining all your mates as well. So I yeah. never got picked on you. So th- there we are. Oh, once and it got rained off, but I got dropped straight after that. So Josh, how did you? Deal with, uh, <laughs> Having to having to not pick your mates instead of say dropping them. How did not pick your mates? I, I, I don't know, like it's a it's a weird one with selection. It's like Wendy said there, like she had a split of sisters. I mean, I had to drop my brother from the first, and you know, and not trying to blow our own trumpet a bit here, but the level we're playing at with Batalbot is you know it's the highest we can in Wales in the Premier League before going you know to minor counties and and Glamorgan and stuff. So. So the selections is important. It's not as if we just chuck in eleven boys up and playing a Saturday. It's got to think of it. I think, you know, like you know, obviously, drop my brother was probably the hardest one to be honest. With you. It was just this close home in it. But I don't know. I think it's a lot harder when you're like Wendy. You know, obviously, you're coaching you know girls you know really well. You know, we're playing with boys we've grown up with, and it, it is hard to let's pick a team and and maybe sit down with one of the boys and say, "Oh, look, you're not good enough for a minute." And I mm-hmm. sort the flat line. I think. You know, and some of the players may disagree with me. We're listening, but I think if, like, when I did drop uh, a few of the boys, I did. I think I always try to do it face to face, like rather than over like a text message or, or, or whatever. Um, and sort of my attitude with it was, I wanted them to be annoyed and and pissed off and angry about it because it shows they care. Then um, mm. I think the only, I think in the back of my mind, I just you know you just got to keep telling yourself you're picking the best eleven to win you a game the end of the day. And if, you're not picking a side to make friends or you're not picking a side to please anyone. You, you're basically picking a side to go out there and, and, and win the game and, and get as many points as you can. And I think the other thing I sort of try to tell myself sometimes is people who are getting dropped. And I got dropped last year, last game. But I think I would want everyone's attitude to be, well, I'm annoyed that I'm dropped, but I'm going to go and get 100 on Saturday or I'm going to take five wickets in the seconds mm. and come back and be, be like, look, you dropped me, I've done that. I've got to be back in the frame. I think the biggest thing that bugged me was doing selection. If you dropped someone and and they didn't have that attitude, that's what annoyed me more, I think. I don't know if you were the yeah. same when when you're picking sides. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. And I, I'm quite open, I am. Um, you know, I say to the girls, look, you know, um, I'm the coach. It's my decision. I will, you know, the buck stops with me. Um, and I have, I've had my hands up in the past, you know, and I've, I've made decisions based on trials and then players haven't performed. Yeah. Um, and of course, with netball, it's probably the same as cricket, isn't it? Once you've named your sides, you know, you can play up, but you can't play down in netball. See, you can't. So if you pick to the A team, yeah. once, once you've played, 
you can't play down any for any of the other teams. All oh, right. Or, but but you can always put somebody up into a higher team. Oh, um, yeah, in cricket you can it's um yeah you can you can drop down or or whatever oh, right. really like it's it's done on a, a week to week basis. But like as as you said, when I think yeah when you pick that size, and I done it when I was captain of three seasons, you pick someone based on form. Yeah. And then you get the Saturday and it, it all goes tits up and then yeah. you're, you're in the club then you get a few people in here as always oh, I, I totally not to pick them or you should have picked so and so and it's brilliant in hindsight isn't it? Oh of course it is and I think you you know we live by the sword we die by the sword don't we? and we? Yeah exactly. You can't you you know you 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 can't win them all and I've often I've held my hands up and, and openly admitted sometimes that I've got decisions wrong um, but it's my decision at the end of the day and you know I'll stick by that but I going back to what you were saying as well is that I think that you know like I said there's only seven players in a netball team um, so there's a you know there's not a there's not a big scope for error you know Um you know, you can't just pick a player and just expect the rest of the team to carry him when there's only seven players on court. But I always just say to girls, you know, look, if you're not happy with my decision, then just come and talk to me. You know, I'm yeah. I'm an open person. What I don't want is is to find out that you've been talking behind my back. You know, yeah. because then I, you know, then I will really be pissed off. You know, yeah. because I'm giving you the opportunity to come and talk to me. I will give you my reasons why you haven't been picked in this particular team. Um, I can't do any more than that. If I find out that you've been bitching behind my back, then that's a different story. Then I will deal with that separately. But um, I think as long as you're open with people and you tell them from the start, I mean, you set your stall out. As soon as, as, soon as I went to Ponte Dewey, uh, the club I'm with now, you know, I set my stall out. I said, you know, look, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, we had one team when I started there. They were rubbish. Uh, there was no structure. They were getting hammered by about 80 goals. And then now we've got seven teams. We've got three teams in the first division, which is like the Premier League. Um, you know, and I had to strip it right back again and start again from scratch. And, you know, did again, you know, you 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 end up, you attract 10 players, players that I knew, knew that I was coaching. They decided to come and join us. Um, and we gradually built our teams up then. We started with three, then we had four. Um, and I'd like to mention as we go along as well that the Sports Law Community Chest as well, which is the obviously the the uh, the local, you know, you get the, the money towards the sports. Yeah. I mean, we've had about four of those grants um, towards equipment, new kit, um, kits for new teams. Um, and it, it's it's a brilliant scheme. Um, you know, it enabled us to buy some quality equipment, which again then attracts new players. Um, but you know, again, as I said, I think once you set your stall out and you you tell people, you know, this is the way it's going to be, this is the style of netball I want the club to be playing, and that's throughout the whole seven teams. It's not just the the top team. I want every team playing this way. So if you get moved up to the first team, you know exactly what the moves are. You know what the calls are. Um, and I just think, like I said, I just think if you're an open book, um, I've always been, I always like to think that I'm approachable. Yeah. Hello. We lost Wendy. We might have. Um, Pause this. 
Yeah. Are we back on? We're back recording. We're back on. There we are. Brilliant. No, but if you knocked on the air there, when I think, yeah, when you're in that sort of position and, and affording the feedback in with the coaching you've done as well, but I think, as you said, once you get your, once you set your stall out, you've got to stick to your guns after that, haven't you? I think, yeah. I think I've always thought the worst thing that can happen is, is you do something and then with the slightest bit of pressure applied, you flip and change and, you know, you're on the road to ruin, I think, once, you know, that starts happening. But, um, yeah, for what's your experiences with that? Uh, obviously up, up in Milford now but obviously with the Quins and the Stars and coaching and stuff uh, well the only questionable selection I made with the Quins was picking me out at half every week uh, there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of questions coming from a committee when I was picking myself but um, no it, I had a good experience at Swans University last year and and it, it was it was pretty uh, eye-opening really because you've got so many young kids who are hungry trying to get contracts basically and and if they're not playing one game, that's 80 minutes missed for them. So uh, it had to be a bit of a different approach. You had to be an arm around them kind of thing and and be sympathised with them if they were dropped. Because what the young lads, they're living away from yeah. mental health sometimes. You know, if you're, if you're just before Christmas, they could have exams and, and their student loan is coming to an end. And if you try and be like give them if only feedback on on look this is why you're not picked it could be a ruin of them so it, the swans university thing was a bit you had to be a bit more sympathetic with them if they got dropped but obviously give them some constructive criticism in the right way but with the quins it was pretty tough because i'd gone from one one minute i was um out to the half and, and playing rugby with them and and just a player to the next i was player coach or you know i was having to pick, pick a side on a Thursday with, with the coaches and um, have to explain to the boys then on the, on the Thursday or Friday why, why they weren't playing. And um, I, I, to be fair, they, I got to give them credit. They were superb last year when they, when they weren't picked or, or picked to a position they didn't want to be picked. But it's, it's, it's a massive thing in, in coaching, how you do you deal with selection. And I think listening to, to you and, and obviously seeing Josh, I think, you guys have, have got it perfectly and how you um, deal with it, like being an open book. And that's all players want, especially when um, being in a player situation and being dropped. And it, it, look, it wasn't the nicest thing to be dropped, especially um, playing for Swansea, but just be an open book and just come to them and give your decisions. If 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 you would come and said, look, you're doing really well and, and um, look, it's just a rotation thing and, and then four weeks down the line you're not picked then you're not going to you're going to lose the respect but if you come and be an open book then they're going to respect you even more to try and, and work harder to get back in so yeah selection for me massively in my coaching thing is is a big part of, of how you become a coach I think as well going back to what you were saying Ford is, is important as well I think getting to know players getting to know individual people and I think that's what's important as being a coach it's all very well to be um, you know, I'm not one. Of, I've never been one of these coaches that's, um, you know, completely. Uh, you know, I'm not. You know, I like to be. I'm a bit of a mother figure. I've always done it with the rugby, the football, and even with netball. I'd like players to be able to come and talk to me if they've got issues. Um, like you said, Swansea University. You know, everybody's got their own story to tell. Everybody's got their own issues going on in the background that they don't know about. I mean, out of the 55 players that we've got in our squad, I know every one of them. 
Mm. Um, I know what makes him tick. I know the ones that I can shout at. I can. I know the ones that I can't shout at. Yeah. I know the ones that have got to have an arm around the shoulder. You know, and and I just find as well going back slightly to selection. I just find I've learned over the years. I just find that if I've got to have a difficult conversation with one of the players. I just find it's better to build them up slightly and tell them all the yeah. good things that they're doing and then sort of, and then let them down gently as in rather than, you know, like even though I'm a straight person, I wouldn't go straight in and say, I'm sorry, yeah. you dropped this week. I try and tell them all the good points and what they're doing really well and then just say, look, but unfortunately, you know, you haven't made it this week or you haven't made it into this team, but, you know, and I just find that that works well. Um, yeah. for me because I just feel as well and I'm giving them something and they oh they you know I'm oh I'm happy with that you know and oh yeah. I, you know even though I haven't made that team you know I, I feel good because you know you've told me all the good things that I'm doing so yeah. I think that's something that I've learned over the years from different people telling me that you know it's it's good to build them up before you sort of bring them back down you know yeah and that's and that's the advice I got um as something like for a half time example ex- for example, even if we're yeah. losing, just just give yourself two minutes and then start with the positives. Because if you start off with negatives, they just oh, yeah. they won't listen to the positive. They shut off straight away. So I think yeah. that's a massive part of coaching is starting off with positives, and um, it, it it does massively for the individual because they know what to work on. They know that they've got in your mind. They know that oh, there there are positives, and and this yeah. is to to get back in the side and. And it, it all it is all around the mental side of coaching now is, is massive and you've probably seen it loads. I think one of the next topics we're gonna to go on. A bad glen, you've been there, the highs and lows and the difference of coaches and oh god, yeah. How the success has come and how the failures are coming. So um Josh, I think we've got to talk about Bagland RFC, and we and and the love Wendy has for it. Oh, it's definitely a topic we're coming to. I think like, you know, before this me and me and Ford wrote down a load of stuff, but as I knew it would, it's just flowing like a perfect the minute. I think, especially with the coaches we just mentioned there, I think we've had conversations with this forward and been on the club over a beer around, you know, man management being such a, a massive thing for a coach. I think if you look at all the best coaches there's ever been in any sport, they're all the best man managers in the world. Um, I think identifying what players you said when need an arm around the shoulder, a bit of molly coddling sometimes and tell them all the good stuff. On the flip side of that, you'll always get the player that sometimes need the ball again or need to kick up the arse to... Well, and, and we'll want it like that as well. Yeah. You know, they'll appreciate it. That's the way they... That's that's their MO. You know, they love to just be... I just want it straight. I don't want you dressing it up. Just tell me what I'm doing wrong, you know? Yeah. And that's great, you know? And I think that's what I found more with the rugby boys. Um, you know, and I, I found with them, it wasn't so much of a... I mean, don't get me wrong, some of them needed an arm around the shoulder sometimes, you know. Um, and that's, I think, where the where the sort of the female thing comes in, where you, you wouldn't necessarily get that from a from a male coach, perhaps. Um, but, you know, like I said, the, the boys more, um, you know, they would just rather you sort of say, you know, I mean, some, some weeks, like Ford would probably tell you, you know, we only had 15, so there was no problem with selection, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's different when you've got a squad of like 30 players where you've got to try and make difficult decisions about selection. But, you know, when you're growing up with junior rugby, I mean, you're pulling people off the streets sometimes to make a team up. So, yeah. you know, there is, there is no 
there isn't those difficult decisions to make like but um yeah i've been with Baglin a long time now and um yeah it all started back when when we moved to Baglin, uh when dan was six um uh and we looked around then for football and rugby um so he started playing down in Baglin boys club with uh uh, Alan Gillins when Alan Gillins was there and Mike Kays um, mm. and he started playing and you know I'd always be quite vocal on the sidelines um, and it wasn't long before they approached me because they had no coach um, even though like all the other kids you know there was I'm not I, I mean obviously I, I as most people know I like raised down on my own but so all the other kids in in the team all had mothers and fathers, but the fathers would all just sort of just stand there, you know. So they asked me if I'd want to go on a coaching course. Um, so I said, yeah, no, you know, I don't mind. Um, so that that was it. I was with them then for the next 10 years um, until they got to youth. Um, and the same thing happened at Baglin Rugby. You know, Dan started playing up there. Um, Robbie Phillips was coaching the team, but his son was playing for a different age group, so we swapped. Again, then I went on a coaching course with rugby, um, and <laughs> well, the rest is just history, really. I mean, I've just been there. I mean, Dan's played for different clubs. Obviously, he went and he had a season with my stake. He played for Chorus, mm. um, uh, but you know, our love has always been with Baglin, you know, even when he was with my stake and the other clubs, you know, he'd, um, you know, straight after the game, we'd come straight back to the club. Um, so I will, yeah, I mean, you know, we, he's been playing for Baglin since he's six. So, you know, our love is always there. And unfortunately, after last season, you know, um, he's not quite sure how many years he's got left in him now. He's 34. Um, so he's been there a long time. Um, but yeah, so I ended up coaching his team then for 10 years till they got up to youth. Um, there was a bit of a sad part of that. I mean, the boys wanted me to stay with them, um, but we already had youth coaches set up in the club. So I sort of literally handed them over then to the youth set up, but we lost a few players. Unfortunately, the boys weren't happy. Um uh, and obviously I wasn't happy either. And the last thing I wanted was for players to leave the club. Um, you know, I tried to say, look, you know, we, we're one team. You know, I'm still there around in the background. Um, but uh, so anyway, the, the, the boys went on. Um, they had fantastic three years in youth. Um, and then I took over another. Um, I don't know whether you remember Brett Pritchard, um, Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we are. Brett yeah. came and knocked my door one day and he said, look, he's thinking of starting up at under 12s. Um, will, you, will you coach us? So that was that then. So I stayed with them then for another four years until they went up to youth. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I've been in, in the rugby club. I've been a cook. I've been a team manager. I've been a coach. I've washed the kit. I've refed. <laughs> uh, I do the physio on the first aid now um, and the strapping um, and yeah you know I absolutely love the club I was about, I was about, sorry for I was about to say uh, when you started that when uh, two names there Mike Kays and Alan Gillins two bad oh, oh god well. Alan Alan was oh, what, a, what a fantastic guy he was you know I absolutely adored him and he was the one who approached me first of all and he was the one then that asked me about the netball as well 
because obviously I started coaching netball down in the boys club as well. Um, we, we started off with primary school children. Um, so we had kids from Baglan Primary, Blaine Baglan, Traith Malin, uh, Tawin. They all came. Um, it was packed there. Um, so I did that for like 10 years on a voluntary basis as well in between the football. Uh, but yeah, Alan and Mikey sort of said to me straight, you know, do you, you know, would you would you be interested in taking the side? We haven't got any coaches. Obviously, they run out of volunteers. Everything's done on a volunteer basis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your father probably volunteer. Josh, I, probably as well. Yeah. Well, I, I was just about to say uh, that whenever my, my old man talks about banging boys clubs, he ran here for a few years and stuff. But uh, he always talks about you know Alan Jillins in the in the highest regard and how much he done for. Uh, for oh, amazing. And before we uh, done this part, I was talking before, before I had a chat with my old man, old man yesterday, he knew you were coming on and I was uh, talking about it and stuff. And he couldn't speak either of you either coaching you know, the football and netball and stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, sorry to jump in for it. So we uh, better mention. Yeah, I think we'll have a tour, shall we? Shall yes. I'm on the bad boys and now I've off the car. Uh, and my drink, my glass is empty. I'm going to have to go and fill it up. No, wait a minute. Oh, we'll have a tour, so when we go fill it up. All right, hang on a minute. Two seconds. No worries. So as as we're there, Josh, we'll we'll I'll ask you the question, Josh. Um, obviously Jurgen Klopp has come out uh, fighting, talk about penalties this week. Um, what's your thoughts on it? In all honesty, for you know I love him, but I I have been a bit disappointed with it. I've got to be honest with you with the penalty talk. To be honest, right, we had this chat last week. I can't really deal with Twitter and football at the minute across like any team or anything because yeah. I mean if you want, I mean. In terms of like the stats and stuff, like why why are you people even talking about penalties? Yeah, it's like, um, it's getting to that point now where it's like if uh, say Liverpool lost on Sunday now, it'll be because Fernandez had more touches than Thiago. It's not going to happen, when do know. What is nice, so what is it's nice to see um, because they over well. It's been one or two years, maybe, that they've both been challenging. Liverpool and United are the biggest rivals in England, there's no question. But they're both challenging at the top of the minute. And, that, and that's interesting for every football fan because they're both really famous. They both hate each other and they're both at the top. So I think that's a, the nicest thing. But we it's will go on to Liverpool in a bit, Dwend. I, I know you uh, you love Oh, it. God, yeah. But, um, I think Josh, Josh, do you remember coming up to Liverpool? You I was going to say when we, uh, I'll, I went, I'll mention it when we uh, move on to Liverpool. All right, love. Cheers. Well, uh, cheers. Cheers, cheers to cheers. Alan Gillins. Yeah, Alan Gillins. Alan. Alan Gillins. So when I was going to ask you the question, obviously we talked about Baglan Rugby and, yeah. and I was up there the day that uh, the boys got promoted. Oh, yeah. Last year, it was last season before the COVID. Yeah. And it was such a big uh, event. I think everyone in, in the town really can watch it because there was no other games and it was packed. I, flew, I flew back from Crete a day early for that. <laughs> I'll have you know. I flew back early. I was in the morning. I flew that, a day early. That just shows you commitment. Um, I couldn't have missed it for the world. I, I, it's, pro- it's a silly question. because, but uh, How proud were you of the, both of Baglan and of, of Dan as well for his... He's he's done the full circle really of playing as a kid, going up to Bagler and then going off and and like it's it's like me a little bit now from leaving the stars and going to the Quins and um how how proud are you of, of him doing the full circle and coming back and winning promotion with Bagler and um and and also Bagler as a club? 
Oh God, yeah, and I and I do think that um, if it wasn't for Dan, obviously I wouldn't have got into uh, coaching. I probably would have ended up being a netball coach because I think I knew from an early from an early age I, I just had a knack for spotting talent. I don't know what it was. People used to say, "Oh no, the talk's rubbish," and then you know, in a six months' time, you know, a player was a different player then, but. Um, yeah, obviously, Dan's a massive part of my life. Yeah. Um, uh, I still get goosebumps when I watch him play now, you know, and the thought of him not playing again, just, it's just absolutely gutting, you know, but he knows that the clock is ticking. Um, but that day, as I said, I mean, we got promotion the year before, but we came runners up the year before. But yeah. obviously that year, um, oh, it was just such a fantastic day for the club, you know, Um you know, the whole town came out um, and it was just, it was just, just immense. I, I actually cried as well, which is very unusual for me. Um, but yeah, it was just a fantastic day, you know. Um, I, the only thing I, I feel a bit sorry as well was that I, I can't even remember who we played in the final. Rick, Rick Goss. Actually, Rick Goss, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Rick Goss. Um, oh, and bless them. Um, you know, they, they, they would, they'd been hammered all season. They'd really struggled. Um, and, you know, they, they could have reneged on the fi- fixture, you know, they could have just turned around and said, you know, oh, sorry, we can't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still came and, and bless them, you know, they went straight after. I mean, like we've been in that position before where yeah. we've played the last game of the season when the team we are playing have got promoted and there's nothing worse than hanging around and trying no. to join in the celebrations when it doesn't involve you. But um Oh, from from my point of view, and I know you know from Dan's point of view, he was he was super proud. You know, um, as I said, he's been there since he's six. Um, you know, he's he's uh, very well respected as well. Which uh, and you know, he's a he's a he's a great bloke. You know, um, uh, you know, I know I'm probably a bit biased, but fair play. Um, even Jimmy Owen says to him, you know, um, the t- the team that won the silver ball many many years ago. Jimmy always says to Dan, you're the only player, the modern day player, he said, that would have made that team because that team apparently was, you know, super talented. Yeah. Um, rugby was different then, obviously. But, um, you know, Dan works hard. You know, he's had his knocks over the years. You know, he's had glass hamstrings for years. And, um, you know, he smashed his cheekbone in playing against the Stars. Funny enough, he had reconstruction of his face. Yeah. Um, almost died on the pitch that day. If it wasn't for Gary, fair play, Gary Doyle. Jesus, Gary. After, after Gary Doyle. After Gary, hey. Yeah, yeah. Gary was on. Gary was doing the first aid on the far side. We were playing down in Abraham, and it was one of the cup finals. I, I was there. Was it the one Baglam Baglam won, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and it was Matthew, um, Dan's oh. friend. Matthew Roberts, yeah, Matthew I, mem- Roberts, I remember. Yeah. I remember the incidents now because yeah. I remember Matthew was Matthew was broken. Oh, right? Matthew came in the changing room. I mean, Dan's yeah. eye socket was sticking out through his through his eye, through his. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. And um, and Gav Schofield was next, to, and well, he just literally ran into his shoulder. It wasn't yeah. malicious. Dan grabbed the ball through, and everybody was watching the ball. And then the next thing, I looked over, and Gav Schofield was turning down on his side. He swallowed his tongue. Yeah. Um, but his cheekbone was um, was was gone, 
And I always remember Paul Bamsey was um, involved with the stars and then he rang yeah. me in the hospital to make sure they, they were all, yeah. you know, they were all concerned. But, you know, going back to it, as I said, he's had his fair share of injuries over the years. But so it was a really proud day for us both, you know, yeah. and I think for for the club, you know, it was such a great occasion, you know. Um, so, yeah, really, really proud. Yeah, and I, I think I enjoyed it because... Obviously, I've got to know a lot of the Bagnum boys for the, for the Bobo Day and and the the, the Bobo Day we run. And, of course, yes. Yeah, and I'd had a couple of games uh, the year before. Um, Rick Goss away, funny enough, Rick Goss away in Crying Dome after a Good Friday. We played on Easter Saturday, and, and <laughs> Good Friday, I'd I'd had a few beers and I had a phone call Saturday morning to play, and uh, I played inside centre as well. I was all I think Dan must have been injured. That's why I played inside centre and I was... Oh, Christ. Eleven stone, 11 stone soaking wet and carrying the ball up. I was like, uh, I come off at four o'clock. I was like, I do not want to be here. But, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it, 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 it's, I, I had a great night to bed. I, I ended up coming back up for a few beers and, and the boys, are, look, they, it, it's all with all but all, but I think um, there's a good connection between all the rugby boys nowadays. Oh, definitely, yeah. Obviously, yeah. when you play in, there's a bit of a bit of needle, but um, you see. Oh God, yes. I mean, you know, especially when when you when there's four teams in the same division, like there was yes. last yeah. year. Yeah. You know, it was like they were. Oh, it was great for the town. It was some yeah. some superb local derbies. It's just a shame then that we have to cut it short. Yeah, and I, I think when I, when I speak to my father, when I speak to people from the stars, they just get they they didn't get to play Bagland because. Not just for for on the field, but off the field in in terms oh, of. Oh, of course. Because, because of the link with the Bobo, and and they would have had so many um, band on at, at the Bagland at the Stars. It would have been a, it's, it's a good money spinner for. Yeah, all. I think. Well, I remember Steve. I remember Steve and Elaine O'Brien coming over the towers, and Steve was sponsoring the home game for yeah. the Stars, and he said, "Oh, you know, make sure you come. You know, you come in. You know, in the tent like afterwards." I said. Depends on the on the result for me, because <laughs> I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a sore loser. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't hang around if if uh, if the result hadn't gone our way. He was like, uh, you know, I'm not in I'm not a new face either. I just yeah. like I just like to go quietly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna go get my charger for the minute. Yeah, no worries. So as we talk about that, Josh, we um local rugby. I just can't wait for local rugby to start again. I'd, uh... You and me both, I think the last couple of weekends when I've woken up and the weather's been stunning, cold, crisp January morning, would have usually been spent uh, watching the Quins, having a pint with my old man, uh, Lewis, my brother and Barney and, and, and the boys. It's a bit of a killer, I think, uh, obviously just on the back of that, but I think everyone listening to this, um, the testament to both Dan and, uh, and Wendy. Whenever anybody mentions Bagley Rugby Club, the first two people who think of a uh, Wendy and yeah. Dan, in fairness. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I didn't. I haven't had the pleasure of playing against Dan because we've never crossed our paths. But you know, you like a good mate of mine, Twiggy, um, who went up to play for Bagley for you, and that's how I ended up playing in a couple of games through him and saying that Dan keeps him in a game and. And Twiggy's a good mate of our both of us, and I, I highly rate him as a rugby player. So when he tells me something about a, a, a player or a game, I, I take it full well. He, he does, when I was kind of doing well, he, he was my agent, Twiggy was. So um, <laughs> he's a good boy. But uh, yeah. he's a legend. He is a legend. Um, and we'd love to, I, I think, 
even just we talked about it in the group earlier, even just a couple of local friendlies just before the summer and then get ready back in September, it would be so well. Good. I was I, funny enough, I was talking to Dan about this last week and I said, you know, Dan's like gutted because obviously they've said that it's not going to be till next September. But I said the same. I said, look, I said it, it's not set in stone. I said, if if things improve now and by sort of May, we look, we're looking like we're coming out to this. I said, there's nothing stopping a couple of the local teams having friendlies or bring the season forward. Yeah. I mean, nobody likes playing in the winter anyway. Oh, absolutely you know, not. You st- you, yeah, you start playing in September, then you stop for the Autumn Internationals in October, then you've got Christmas, then you've got the frozen weather, yeah. then you've got, you stop in February then for the Six Nations. I mean, it's never ending. Yeah. And we, but, you know, bring bring the season forward a bit, like. Yeah, and we... we um... We've tried to start in England. We were going to start. We were meant to be playing Saturday uh, with the schools, and and that's been put back. But just stuff like we we're planning to play summer rugby and just just keep playing and yeah, it'd be great because because we hunger exams this year now. The, the six form students won't. They obviously finish at a certain time, but they're like we'll, we'll happily come back in because all our work would be done by May, and we'll come yeah. back and play rugby and and that's that's what we're aiming for some summer rugby. Um. I'm going to play a bit of rugby league. Uh, in, as oh, I yes. Yeah. So Dan, oh. Dan enjoyed his rugby league, in all fairness. i got to be yeah. honest. We, we went, to, to, went um, to some cracking places with him with the rugby league, you know. I mean, that's, that's the fittest he ever was uh, when yeah. he was playing league, you know. But the, the difficulty for him was, was that when he started playing for the Steelers, you know, some people only played rugby league, whereas if you play in rugby union and rugby league, the season would overlap. Yeah. So you'd be playing on a Saturday, league, rugby union, and then you'd be playing on a Sunday then, rugby league, and your yeah. body was a bit so. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I played uh, a couple of well, even in under 15, 16, playing a summer of rugby league, summer of rug, uh, winter rugby union, and my body just... Oh, and as well, have been a bowling a bit of left arm spin in between as well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, Josh, just just a question for you: How would um, if if you said we wouldn't have to play on a Saturday if it was a summer? Because I love cricket as well. Say we played a couple of uh, local league fixtures on a Friday night. How would you think would that impact the town playing on a Friday night, sunny sunny Friday night? What do you reckon? Oh, but look, let's be honest. Obviously, if I if I chuck my cricket head on and and thought about it, as long as it wasn't on a Saturday, sort of thing, it'd be. Fun. But like as you said, Friday or possibly even a Sunday. I think if you start, I think you know we've spoken about this for me, and as you said, when even though the league starts, you know later on, there's nothing stopping the local. That's side. right. Maybe getting like a group of five together. In, in in a group and playing for you know all chucking a bit of money in or buying a cup or something or you know you don't have, even have to do that to be honest but I think you know just to get it going again because I think the worst thing that's happened is everyone waits and waits and waits and waits and waits until a league starts that could be months after if it gets fine but it, like Fordy mentioned on a Friday night imagine a Friday night game up in Bagler now you've got you, you've got all the light until about ten o'clock in the evening somewhere yeah. like, ev- everyone's been. Dying for some local sport since the summer finished, to be honest. A few friendlies, I've been bagging the weather, be done at Quinn's or Stars, whatever. Friday night, a few beers out. Oh, you know, it's outside as well. So that's another massive tip. Nobody's going to be cold. It's be lovely weather. I honestly think it'll be packed. And I think yeah. I think it's something we've spoken about with um, when the boys' mom united on, with, especially with the football. I think the biggest 
you know, the most gutting thing about the pandemic coming in, affecting sport was you had a rugby league and a football league this year that had four and five teams from the area in Batal, but all in the same league. I think if you look at the fixture list on a weekend um, before the pandemic started across the football and the rugby, there was at least two, there was at least two local derbies going on every single weekend. Um, and I think, you know, fingers crossed, the plus side of, you know, if you can probably take a plus side of a, you know, a pandemic and stuff is once we get the sport back locally, whether it's a, a friendly on a Friday night or Sunday or the football, I do honestly think more people are going to come back and get involved. You know, whether that's in the shape of supporters or, as you said uh, earlier, when volunteering. Yeah. Um, I think probably this period has probably shown how important sport is to everyone. Oh, God, yeah. I nearly went nuts in the summer, I did, when there was nothing on at all. Oh, my God, it was awful. Yeah. Like, you know, not just, uh, you know, not just in the town, but, like, you know, nationwide and stuff. I think, you know, it's one of those that you don't really appreciate until it's not there. And, no. and, and none of us would have thought in a million years that, you know, one week uh, the clubs would be there and then the next week's all closed and boarded up and, uh, and nothing's happening. But I thought if, uh, you know, if, if stuff started happening with clubs getting friendlies on a Friday night in the summer... You know, we'd all be down there, wouldn't we? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, I'm just saying, remember that pre-season game when the Quinns played the Stars and that Friday night when they and how busy it was? Oh, it was I think that that would be massive. You could play, you could even call it like the four or five nations and, and kind of do a group table or something, just put a spin on it. But, it would be the fun, uh, would it? Yeah, exactly, and we and and we we'll at the pod we'll support any initiatives like that, is because me and Josh are just we just want some sport back, and I think. Oh God, yeah. I think as well. I think you just miss seeing your mates as well, don't you? I mean, I walk past the club every day with the dog. Yeah. And I sit there sometimes and I just look out and I just close my eyes and I just imagine a game going on. Yeah. You know, all the great games we've watched over the years, you know, and I just sit there and I think, oh, you know, when when will rugby ever return, you know? And I just miss going in the club, you know, and having a pint on a Saturday or going any night of the week and, you know... Just going in and, I mean, I can go to the club anytime I want, you know, and just drive up, have a pint and go home. Like, you know, yeah. there's always somebody there to talk to. Yeah. Um, and I just miss that, you know, I just miss the camaraderie you get um, with, with you know, with just being in the club. Yeah, and I... And I... I working in Millfield, you kind of a bubble because we're allowed to train because we we can manage the, the the COVID risks and and it didn't hit me until really this week that we didn't go back and it was I think it was like a quarter to three on a Saturday and I'm living in Bolomine at the minute so I was walking the dog around the second team pitch and I just looked across to the first team pitch to think it's a perfect it was sunny it was crisp weather. It was a perfect day to play rugby and, and nothing's happening. Was, I was the only person uh, on, on the pitch. And, and then to think a year ago from that Saturday, we were just beating Bill Foyles for the Quins to basically solidify our, our chances of going up. And, yeah. and it's such a great day on and off the field. And to think we're a year down the line and, and, no, know. Up and no one knows where we're going to play. And, and it's just, it breaks me. And, and the biggest thing is, and like you've said, and this, this is what I miss, this is what Josh missed, not the big nights out, just that, oh, I'll go down for a pint. And, and yeah, that's, I, I think know. that's what's getting to everyone at the minute. Oh, I think it's, it's somebody, uh, somebody still marking out a pitch. I love it. <laughs> Gotta love it, you. But, like, you know, as you said, I said you know, I, my brother popped over early and I said to him, uh, it's, the, it's the craving, the popping down, as you said, when, taking a car down. 
you know, popping in for a pint, but then, you know, sitting with the old heads and listening to the stories I've heard a million times anyway, all the time, but just sitting there enjoy, enjoying a pint. You said camaraderie and the togetherness, which is something that's came, has come through with a lot of the pods we've done with um, a number of clubs is is how close-knit everyone is in, in sort of Bagland and Talbot areas, especially in, in, in the club environment. But... Um, you know, we say the sooner the soonest back the better, but you know, let's keep our fingers crossed that. In- oh God, yeah, yeah. I walked past and- the other day and somebody cut the pitch and marked it as well. So I took a photo. I said I sent it to Dan. I said, um, "We play on Saturday then." <laughs> and he was, he was like, "Well, what do you mean?" I sent him a picture. I said, "Well, somebody's marked the pitch." When I we- said, oh. "Well, I got to be honest with you, when every uh, every pitch we've passed in the last couple of weeks, mind yeah. Vivian Park was looking like Wembley." Yeah, <laughs> I said by the time everyone comes back, everyone's be spoiled for choice with pitches. It's all I know that. I just don't think they've obviously not cancelled the contract or something because, like I said, every week I walk past and the pitches be marked again, well, and I, I think, my God, you know, fair play, the the, the seagulls are having a ball out there. Well, I, I know the stars bought the tractor just before the lockdown, so they got oh, it. Oh. <laughs> 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 There's, there's oh, a, it's bad timing, isn't it? The pitch is looking fantastic, to be fair. I bet. Um, yeah, just uh, last thing. So, obviously, um, I think Josh was going to mention this. So, you've obviously the, the creation of, we go back to, to, to sport now instead of just. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, so obviously, we, we uh, d- discussed obviously the Women's Super League is um, is a massive thing in, in netball at the minute. And um, yeah. I know me and Josh have discussed this and, and I think I've taken over Josh's question a little bit, but would you have, if you were in, uh, when you were playing, would you have loved some structure like that Super League? Was there something to aim for as a, as a player? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, the only diff, the only thing that I don't agree with is bringing all the foreign players in. Um, you know, the Celtic Dragons got to the Super League Grand Final one year only because they had... Um, you know, they had a, a like a six foot seven uh, girl playing from I don't know where she came from, but she wasn't from Wales. Um, you know, and she would just literally just put the ball in the net. You know, I mean, uh, you just pass the ball, but you know, I don't. I just that's not that's not developing the game in Wales. If you're the Celtic Dragons, you should be from within Wales. You should be the best players. Sometimes it's harder to get out to teams than it is to get in them. Um, so, yeah, I think I, it's it's difficult, really. I mean, I know some of my some of my players who have gone for trials with with Celtic Dragons, and I know uh, I'm not I'm not being it's no favoritism, but I know that they're better than some of the players that they are currently there. Um, but again, you know, like, you know, I'm not I'm not dissing it. I wouldn't go and I wouldn't go and watch a Super League team. Um, because I, I, you know, I don't think we're that great at the moment. Again, you know, Celtic Dragons are always um, sort of wallowing at the bottom of the table um, because I think they just keep picking the same players all the time. Um, the Welsh players tend to be the Celtic Dragons players. Mm. So in that respect, I think, you know, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's great that, that netball is on TV, Um but I subscribe to the Australian. Um, uh, they, there's an app on that I subscribe to every year that you watch the Australian leagues play in, and then obviously all the ANZ games are on. 
um, which you know what it's like, Ford, you know, it's like when New Zealand rugby are on, you know, I watch all the, the, the championship or, or, you know, all the, you know, super rugby as we used to call it, you know, because I just love that style of play. So when you watch Australia and New Zealand playing, it's totally different to watching Super League games for me. Everything is like in second gear. Yeah. Um, we still, we've still not, we're still racing to catch up with the New Zealand and the Australia. You know, they they are such so phenomenal at sport in general um, that I tend to be a little bit in awe of them. You know, yeah. Um, but. Super League, you know, I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's great that, it, you know, that netball is on telly. Um, you know, some people still think it shouldn't be on there. You know, mates of mine who are men still say netball isn't a sport, you know. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's great that, that we're there or thereabouts. But I still think that especially Celtic Dragons got a long way to go. Um, I think, again, they could be widening their net, um, in Wales, there's a lot of talent out in Wales. You don't have to go abroad um, f- to find players or coaches, really. Yeah. Um, and as, sorry, when to, to mention that netball, I've watched a couple of games over that. We'd done it like uh, at the end of Christmas, we'd done like a crossover netball and rugby kind of netball tournament. And but uh, looking at so many netball clips because I was recommended um, recommended by a coach. The amount of space you can and transferable skills over to rugby because when you watch a top netball girls, they, they recognize uh, recognition for space is ridiculous and how quickly they move into it. And yeah. it's it's a superb sport to watch. I I was loving it. I I generally I was sitting back. Well, and- to be honest, Lou Ford, um, the but, uh, the Bagler rugby boys come and train with us about three times a year. Yeah. Or three times a season, I should say. But they, they're absolutely, you know, they're absolutely knackered. You know, yeah. they, you know they, they, they've got blisters the size of you know, oranges on their feet because they're not used to that stop-start, you know. And obviously they come over, we put them through their paces and then they play, they have a game then against the girls at the end. Yeah. Uh, what I do is I mix them up so it's not just boys against girls. We mix them up so there's a bit of, you know, people know what they're doing. Yeah, but they always they, the coaches have always said you know it's great for the boys because they get this spatial awareness mm. um, and it does help them and the boys all you know the boys love coming over and if ever we got a free week um, we always say to the boys especially if the weather's crap and the boys haven't been able to train outdoors I'll have a word to the girls and I'll just say look you know I'm going to ask the boys if they want to come over they'll train with us they'll do all the fitness that we do. Um, and then we just go into then coaching drills. Um, obviously, they're not as good as with the round ball as they are with the oval one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they get the drills and they play then and they, you know, they get it, you know, and they love it. Yeah. My favourite, uh, sorry, Josh, my favourite uh, ref in call I found out, travelling. Is it that? <laughs> travelling. Footwork, footwork, foot that's it. Family oh. basketball, man. Ah, oh, I wear the refs are calling it in the tournament. I'm like, footwork. Sorry, keep it. brilliant. No, we're that. not supposed to use hand signals anymore as an umpire. Um, you don't, uh, you're supposed to just use a call. You're not supposed to, you know, signal, but yeah, it is. Toast, you are right there. Toast to the footwork. Yeah, toast <laughs> to the footwork. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, right? When I was in uni, the, at the netball club, used to run a, um, a tournament every year, like a like an inter-club tournament where 
Um, I think I think the rules were you had to have two boys on the court at yeah. all times. Like, and I'm telling you now, if there's anyone listening, when any new mates, any new male mates are listening, I think netball's not a sport. I came off a netball court more knackered and more injured than I ever did walking off a rugby pitch. Right? I got, I got to be honest with you. The amount of elbows I got, yeah, <laughs> all the stuff like that. Right, I, I walked off. I was looking at some of the girls I was playing netball against. I was going, "Fucking hell!" I know. Well, when we used to play, when I used to coach the girls down Bagland Boys Club, um, the football team used to train after that, and it was the likes of Mark Proctor, um, Lee Shrimpton, um, or Mark, um, Mike Jeffords. So they'd all be playing afterwards. So they'd always come early. And then we had like Karen Oliver, Day Oliver's daughter, Carrie Needs, uh, Bethan. So they'd all be training. And then the boys would come then all, you know, all a big bravado, you know, like, oh, come out, can we have a game when, you know, can we, we'll show them what. So they used to come on then for like, say, they'd come about 15 minutes early. So they'd train, say, the last 10 minutes of our session. Honest oh, God, the girls would just wipe the floor with them and they'd just say afterwards. And the boys, fair play, the rugby boys always say the same. They go, oh, my God, it's such a good session. You know, they've, they've had a good sweat. It's nice that they've trained indoors so they're not full of mud. Um, but they just love the fact that the girls will tell them where they can go, where they can't go. And they just, they just really enjoy it. So, as I said, it's a regular thing for us now, you know. I'm going to be honest, there was, a few, there was a few sessions in college, like, like same as you when they call like the, some of the football boys in just to, or, or doing P lessons when you've done netball. College and I'm um, playing a few tournaments in, uh, you know, when we renew the. I, I, I really enjoyed it, it. I really enjoyed playing netball. It's, um, I don't, it's one of those things in this. I, I, think, I think, am I right in saying when they've got a, have they got a male netball league in like New Zealand or something? Yeah. Yeah, but it's yeah, brilliant, yeah. But uh, oh, a- a- anyone listening who-, who sat there thinking, I think what you said, when it's not a sport, well, definitely is. <laughs> oh my god! And, and, consi- and considering it's it's um, it's a non-contact sport. I mean, I've broken both my ankles, both my wrists. It's not my Achilles tendon. I've broken and dislocated. I don't know how many of my fingers. I've had concussion. I, yeah, it's not. Uh, it's, it's not. It's not for the faint-hearted. That's why blokes don't play the game. That's what I always yeah. say. Josh, we'll have to. Uh, jo- we'll have to have a, a like we do it for the football cricket. We'll have to do a Talbot Sports podcast. Uh, select seven versus Ontario uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. football club. <laughs> but, Absolutely, but, bring but it this, on. I tell you what, this week we've got a lovely uh, sports schedule coming up for when sports allowed you. We'll have like yeah. a, <laughs> have like a month. We're going to be fit as fuck, Josh. I'll be the fittest man I've been for. I think, uh, no, I think when I think the last thing, uh, just to mention netball before we move into, you know, the main topic here, which is Liverpool. But uh, no, I think, no, I think the last thing, Wend, is you touched upon it earlier between, you know, where Welsh netball's going at the minute. But like, um, what do you say the standard is like from when you were playing to it is now? Um, do you think it's a better standard now, or do you think, as you said earlier, is it falling behind slightly, or it should be, you know, should it be? No, I think I, I think the standard is better. The but netball, like all sports, move on. Um, you know, we, we look at rugby. Rugby's become faster. You're fitter. You know, you don't spend so much time at rucks and malls. I think Ford will probably tell you the same, and you probably know the same from from your years of football. I think the higher up the levels you go, the cleaner the game becomes. 
Um, so, you know, I think with netball, again, you don't get the physicality. It, it's still a contact sport now. Um, but I think it's a much cleaner game now. Um, I think, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, we played over in Ashley Road. You know, we played outdoors netball. You know, I'm st- still picking the gravel out of my knee now. Um, you know, because we played outdoors, you know, now we don't play outdoors, we play indoors. And, you know, unfortunately, as a result, that's why we haven't seen my, I haven't seen my netball squad since last March. Um, because, you know, we're even further down the, down the, 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 the system now because we're indoors. Um, but, you know, with regards to netball, I mean, obviously the rules haven't changed. Um, I think the game's got a lot faster. Players, I think, are a lot fitter. I mean, I've watched old games of past World Cups, you know, and it just looks so static and slow compared to now. It's so fast. Um, but I think we're going in the right direction. I think, you know, I th- I'm not I'm not dissing um, the system. Um, I just think sometimes the, the whole selection process needs to be looked at for me. I just think there's a lot of talent out in Wales um, that's slipping through the net uh, because they don't fit the criteria, unfortunately. And that's my big, biggest bugbear. I think, you know, there's a there's a lot of talented players around Wales who A, either don't want to get into that Welsh setup because they know it's a it's a tad clicky um, and it's very difficult to sort of break in um and you know so that for me it's sad because there's you know i think we could be we could be a, a lot better as a nation you know yeah. um you know when i played back when i was 21 i mean you know we trained every weekend you know i we'd leave the four of us would go on the train from from Potalbet. we train all day saturday all day sunday you know every two weeks um, I don't know what the training regime is like now, um, you know, without COVID. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, they're all sort of professional netball players now. Um, I mean, they, I know they've got jobs as well, but um, nobody got paid back then either, you know, and I don't I don't even know if international netball players get paid. Um, but it's, sport, sport has definitely moved on. Um, it's definitely a faster more enjoyable sport. I mean, I am I umpire as well at quite a high level. Um, and I think when you do umpire at a higher level, again, it's like refereeing at a higher level. You don't get the, um, you don't get the sort of, like I said, rucks and balls in rugby, you know, it's cleaner, the ball's away. You don't get the, the scuffling and the, the punching and the gouging. And um, so I think as far as netball goes, it's, it's still a contact sport, but it's a lot cleaner and it's a lot faster than it ever was before. I think um, uh, I, I I still play now. I mean, like for, like Fordle back up on this, and I think as you said, eh, when the the higher you go up, sort of standard. And uh, well, I think when I had um, a few games hip switch, my old man will my old man will back it up. Went from playing, you know, Lido Porth Call on a Saturday. A week later, I was playing his Arsenal, and. Yeah. Uh, and my old man always says, so when he came home and a few people said, what was it like? And my old man said, oh, he said, literally take the local league and times it by as much as he want. Was, he said, everyone is so much quicker. 
everything's so much cleaner, as you said, when it's all yeah. done, brilliant for everyone. Like, I don't think that's appreciated enough sometimes with a lot of sport is is people don't realise that sometimes how big a step up it is um, as you go through the through the levels. And for you had a bit of a taste of it, didn't you, with um like with the rugby. Yeah. And, you know, you say as well, it's a it's, it's another world, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It is it, it, the quest, like they say, it's easier as you get go higher. There's a certain thing in that because you're just doing your job. Um, you don't have to think about oh, outside me is going to do theirs because they, they're getting paid to do a job review and and the pressure comes back onto yourself to make sure you're not the person they carry in. So yeah, it's, it becomes a lot quicker, a lot cleaner. Um, I learned I learned pretty quickly that uh, I couldn't do what I was doing at the Quins and have a few beers for the week and uh, and rock. Oh. So um, my debut was against Abraham. So uh, I seen that uh, quite quickly when uh, I kicked the ball behind me, and uh, all my mates are watching. So um, yeah, it's massive. I think um, netball. What I've watched, I, I, I bloody love it. Um, I think it's such a great sport, and as a coach, I, I pick so much out of it. Um, and the, the, we got a question from uh, Gavin Fitzgerald through uh, Wendy. Um, who was the best athlete slash netball player that graced the courts during your time? Mm, God. Um, neck. That's a tough one. I'm just trying to think netball-wise. Um, I always used to look up to my captain, who was in the Welsh squad, which was Helen Weston. Um uh she was just uh again she was a brilliant captain she was she used to do her homework um she used to i remember being in a welsh training session once and we were looking at some videos and um and she'd already picked up that the center for the opposing team had some sort of a call going on mm. and i was just watching the game i was i just thought oh this is you know is good, like, but she'd already sussed out the centre pass moves. Um, so and she was, um, she was our, she was a goalkeeper and she was our captain. Um, so I would say probably back then she would have been my uh, netball. Uh, to be honest, with you, Ford, I can't remember that far back as to who sporting wise would have been, because um, I would have been. Uh, under 21s I would have been 19 I can't even remember I mean I would have been watching Liverpool then so it probably would have been somebody like Kevin Keegan um, but apart from that it would have been like I said Helen Weston who was our who was our Welsh captain Nice thank you and um, I think that leads lovely on to a topic which pff, I'm devastated <laughs> we got the pod actually but <laughs> Um, no way. No, I will add some stuff on to because knowing I I know how much you love Liverpool and and obviously I I knew um, I remember when you went up with with Maury and Colin. So I'll add some stuff on as we go along. So so Josh, yeah. you wanna get on with this this rubbish? Yeah, no, I'll, uh, I'll just give this as a, a bit of a disclaimer to anyone listening now. So if you, you know if you don't support Liverpool, or you're going to invest. Put it on mute for the next five ten minutes, and then and then put it back on. We'll be done. But no, Wayne, I don't think you could have done this podcast without touching upon, uh, you know, your love for Liverpool. And we mentioned earlier before we done a toast. Wendy's actually the reason why I went to Anfield for the first time. 
So like when I used to run trips to Anfield, and my right. old, uh, my old man took me up about four four times. I think we saw Palace, West Ham, Chelsea, um, someone else. But no, the first experience of Anfield was uh, was down to Wendy. So I got to thank her for that. And uh, I, I won't forget. I, I think Chelsea might have been the one, the first one. I remember going up, my old man, and John Powell was on the trip when. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, to John yeah. Powell. <laughs> and Liverpool won one nil, and uh, oh, I sat next to John Powell on the way home, and I can't. I must have been about, must have been about eight or nine or something like that. But I remember sitting next to John Powell, oh, for the majority of the way home, and I think he turned round uh, to my old man at one point. He was like, "Chris, is your boy ever shut up or what? Is he going to sleep?" But, uh, no. Obviously, especially because he's, especially because he's a Chelsea supporter as well. Why was he ever on that trip? He was brilliant, wasn't he? <laughs> but uh, no, obviously, like massive Liverpool fan. When when did uh, so when did I start? Then you sport in Liverpool. Uh, well, Kevin Keegan was my idol, um, and uh, believe it or not, I was only nine when I. I don't know how I again. I don't come from a sporting family, um, and I remember listening to. And I was in this house uh, listening to European Cup matches on the radio in my bedroom at like two o'clock in the morning. And I'd write down um, a whole, you know, like a commentary. So I used to have scrapbooks. But I can't even tell you why um, I started supporting Liverpool. But Kevin Keegan was my idol. Um, and I was in love with him, obviously. Um, and I used to send him Valentine cards on his birthday because his birthday was on the fourteenth of February, um, and he never replied once. Bastard! Um, I was gutted. Um, but yeah, so that's when it all started, um, and it's just gone from there. I mean, I've never supported anybody else. Dan supported. Dan wasn't allowed to support anybody else either. Um, Ava and Thomas are exactly the same. Um, they don't support anybody else. Um, Stephen Gerrard's on my screensaver. Ava knows who he is. Um, but yeah, so Kevin Keegan and that era was my, um, you know, Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, uh, amazing. Uh, you know, all all those players back in that era were my were my sort of idols at the time, until obviously Stephen Gerrard came along. That's what I was going to ask you when I was going to ask you uh, the favourite era for Liverpool side and stuff, but if you answer there, but, um, well, my yeah, my favourite era. I um, I just looking down here now. Yeah, my favourite era was nineteen ninety eight. I had to look at this because that was when I was actually there when Stephen Gerrard made his first appearance, um, and obviously the the seventeen years that he was playing for Liverpool were my favourite, but. My favourite team were, and then going back to what Ford was saying, my favourite team and my favourite era was 2013-2014 mm. season when Colin was assistant manager up in Liverpool because I just had the best experience being a Liverpool supporter because I got to sit in the director's box um, and I got to meet Stephen Gerrard and I got to meet not only Stephen Gerrard, I got to meet Phil Thompson, Kenny Zaglish, uh, all people that I known all over the years, Tommy Smith, um, you know, and and I'd be like nudging Dan and going, oh my God, look who's over there, and, and Dan, Dan wouldn't have even remembered them. Dan was like, oh, who is it? But like, oh my God, Tommy Smith's over there. Dan was like, oh, you know, because he wasn't born then. But um, 
that was my favourite time. That was a special time for me because obviously yeah. Colin, um, Colin Amori re- made it really special for us. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, and um, it was just a magical time for me. I, I just was, I remember being out in Crete when um, the announcement was made. Um, and I remember sitting by the, my radio because um, Brendan Rodgers had already been appointed as Liverpool manager. Um, and then he was announcing who he was taking as his backroom staff. Um, and oh my God, uh, when as soon as he mentioned Colin's name, I was like, oh, I don't believe it. Because I obviously been friendly with Maury and Colin for years. Um, I used to go and stay with Maury when Colin was playing for Sunderland. Mm. Um, and I remember ringing her and I couldn't even get through uh, because obviously the phones must have gone berserk. Um, but um, yeah, those those few years up there were were incredible. And and, and I I'll, I'll back it because we we um, invited me and my mother and father up. But I'd been up to see the boys uh, earlier in the year. But we went up for the Chelsea game, and I went loud in the in the director's box. My mother and father went in the director's box. Yeah. Went, me and Theo went and sat um, in the stand, but. I, I think this is just a testament to the to the Pasco family how how welcome they made you feel. And, oh my God, yeah. Like my father always said, you felt like kings when you were up there, and and um, I think not even being Liverpool fans when you're sitting there and listening to Never Walk Alone and and stuff like that, and think there's actually someone you know is in the dugout, and and it was. It, it was tough, and then obviously it was. It was. I was there when when the the Stephen Gerrard slip because obviously I'm a Chelsea fan, and it, it was as much as obviously Chelsea. It was mixed emotions because my my best mate had just he had the opportunity of um, doing something special, which Klopp has done now, which has been for Liverpool fans is great. And but I I think when I seen that this year, I had a little bit of a. It could have been someone from Batol, but oh yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, I think like for me on that point, I think I think growing up, if, if you talk about favourite eras, I'm not going to count clocks at the moment because it's not done. But I think before that, for me, it'd be you know the late great Gerulia's. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very, you know, I think especially when he passed away, um, you know, it brought back how much he did sort of take Liverpool by the scruff of the neck from being on the edge of falling away to. Take them back to contending all the time. He set the platform then for you know Rafa to come in and and uh, you know as you said. Oh, Brent, we've, we've, we've had some well. some cracking managers and we you yeah, know apart, apart from why. Well, like when that never happened. It was just a bad dream. That was. Is, uh, no, there's a flag in the cop and the magnificent seven they got up. So they got Shank, Shankly, Paisley, Fagan, Daglish, Rafa, Hullian, and Klopp. And why? And why? <laughs> why? Uh, again, why? <laughs> oh, it was terrible, wasn't it? It was an absolute nightmare, honest but, to God. Uh, no, I think, um, oh, as you said, you bang on. I said, I remember when, obviously, when uh, Brendan Rodgers was in charge and Colin was up before, I remember obviously speaking to you tonight when you were going up and things. And looking back, it was a massive shame they didn't win our league that year because they played such good football um, all the way through that league. And, uh, you know, Especially for someone like Steven Gerrard, just slip, and it wasn't his fault that they lost the league. For God's sake, you know, I think the three-all draw at Palace was the reason when they, you know, were three 0 up. But it was sad. It was it was a bit sad to see that, uh, you know, Steven Gerrard, my hero for Liverpool, went, you know, for everyone to jump on him as much as they did after all he'd done. It was sad to see, and 
Oh, we were there. We were there for that yeah. game as well. And it was right in front of us. And I mm. remember thinking in slow motion, I was like, oh, no. Trying to grab yourself, like, yeah. But I think, you Terrible. know, obviously Liverpool legend, but uh, part of me does think, you know, if that didn't happen, he would have been... He, well, he's, he's already immortal to Liverpool fans, but can you imagine if uh, if they'd actually gone on to win it? But I just, I often, I often think as well. I mean, I just think you know, Colin was obviously treated very badly, um, and I just think you know what, what, where he would be now as well. I often think, um, you know, what, what, where, you know, what would have happened? What if? You know, it's it's great. Like I said, it's it's, it's the big if is the. I just think you know if we hadn't lost that that year, uh, because you know we sort of threw it away really. Um, from being in a position of, you know, completely in control. Um, so, like I said, that those turning points, those crucial times, I often wonder where, you know, what, would Colin have still been there now, you know? Um, well, that's probably the big if, isn't it? If they had gone on to win that league, would, yeah. they, you know, would they have kicked on and, and won a, a shed load now? And probably moves us on to like where they are now in, in, in terms of, obviously, a, a clock took over five years ago from... From Brendan when it, it didn't quite work out after that league, and you know let's be like to be fair, it took Klopp you know a good three years to build that squad that he built. Um, but I think that comes back to you know showing what happens when clubs give managers time in this in this era now. Um, yeah. it's, it's an era that you know forty would agree with rugby as well. It's such a business and results driven business at the moment. But I think you know you know Liverpool did give Klopp after three years at the trophy and. And you know, and that you know, the Champions League final against Madrid was a was a shocker in fairness. But then coming back and winning the Champions League, and then finally breaking that Premier League duck, even though it was you know at one stage it looked like it was being null and void, which was uh, which was going to be. It would have just been our luck, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been typical. But like, um, no, his question too. When is you know, have you enjoyed last five years in the clock? Like, what's your thoughts on him? Oh yeah, I t- I think he's as mad as a box of frogs, isn't he? To be honest, though, <laughs> I mean. When he came, I thought, what the hell, what the hell is this man? I mean, I just didn't, I couldn't get him. He looked freaky. Um, just, I don't know, he was just different. And I don't know, I, the jury was out for a while. I just thought, but I tell you what, he is, well, he loves Liverpool as much as Liverpool loves him, you know. Um, and he, I think he's just got us playing. He just, he just suits the way we play. I think, he just, I think he just gets it a bit. I think. Oh, absolutely! I yeah. think it's been conversations and not to you know not to get carried away with Liverpool fans and stuff, but there's been a bit of a likeness around um, like Shankly getting it when he took over Liverpool. He you know he got what he was about. He got what the fans were about and stuff. And I think for like you might have seen it, we you know listened to that socially distant uh, uh, podcast with Mike Bubbins and Ellis James and things and. A recommendation for a documentary was The Three Kings, and it covered Shankly yeah. and Steen. I watched, I bought it in the week and watched it. It's the best documentary I've ever watched. But I think the the little parts around um, Shankly and stuff, there are mirror images of, of sort of what Klopp's done now in terms yeah. of like he, yeah. gets, he just gets the club. I think. Um, yeah. Like obviously, whether or not this season they go on and stuff, but. Um, Obviously, massive game Sunday. When where's your man? Uh, what's the score prediction for Sunday? Oh, um, I don't know. I am. Um, I, I hope we just give him a leather in. To be honest, though, um, we do win after last month. Well, yeah, we've not been playing well lately, which is a good thing for us because we're probably going to go into this game as underdogs. 
which is unusual for us. But um, I think the way we, you know, we we've been poor the last few weeks. Um, again, I I do feel we're missing a bit of a a nasty midfielder. I think I think Jordan Henderson hasn't done what he thought he was going to do. He has, certainly hasn't filled Stephen Gerrard's boots. Um, I think, yeah, I think for me, I think we need a bit of a. Uh, a Graham Souness or a Steve McMahon type of player in midfield. I think the problem it a bit. I think the problem for us when is our players currently playing centre half for us. Yes, been, yes. Uh, I think he's been uh, he's been out biting in the midfield the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and, uh, and, I, and and we can't buy a goal sometimes. You know, we we no. scored seven and then we couldn't score a goal then for the next three three yeah, games. And the last three every in the league. It was like you know just. Don't worry about scoring seven. Just spread it out amongst a couple of games. <laughs> you know, don't, don't throw all your eggs in one basket, like in it. I got a game. Got a game to stare you tonight. I did call about two weeks ago that United will win at Anfield. Um, oh. I think I think they'll they'll win and then. Um, but you, know, I think it's such a exciting league this year because. Yeah, with Chelsea, we we were we were title contenders about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. No, eighth. Um, Everyone was two weeks ago. Yeah. Tottenham were title contenders. Leicester were gone, and now they're back. City are lurking. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think the difference this season is, isn't there? More teams have won away from home. Yeah. And they've won, you know, more. So I'm not saying that they've won more away games than they've won home games, but I think because there's no supporters there. You might as well be playing down Evans by Evans because apart, apart you, you lose the yeah you you lose the the supporters you know so yeah. even though we play in home on Sunday but then we play in them away then in the FA Cup it really makes no difference more more teams are playing away are winning away because this you know they lose you know you lose that home advantage yeah. it's, it's crazy it's a crazy season I'm and- Tiago got to start. First half for Liverpool at Anfield, 2 0. Yeah, I'm up for that. I might have a word with Klopp about that, actually. Yeah. I'm going I'm going 2 1 United. I reckon wow. they're going to set up for the draw, Ford. They're three points clear. They're coming for the draw, I reckon. I'll say 2 1. But uh, we mentioned him earlier when we, we're going to hope to get. Um, Calling on the pod at some point. Um, oh, I'd be superb. Yeah, I to, to discuss his career because I think everyone in Batalbot knows him. When when I meet people from Sunderland, that he is a yeah. Sunderland hero, and it'd be great for him to talk about his career, let alone his coaching, his, his playing career. And I, I got a lot of time for calling. Obviously, I grew up with you and Tyler through through uh, school. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, he's such a nice bloke, and hopefully we can get him on the pod and. Uh, Oh, that would be, yeah, that would that would definitely be worth a listen. I would. Yeah. So, um, Josh, you got anything more to say about the Scousers? No, we. Uh, no, mate. I, mean, I think I think we'll just let the the boys do the talking for the rest of the season. But I think we'll yeah. uh, we'll move on to uh, our last bit now. Yeah. I think I, I know. Ford, did you uh, did you throw the ultimate bagman fifteen across to end in a week? Yeah, I do. I was on the notes. Um, I did. What I've done is I've. Hang on a minute. I did write something down. I am. Um, I'm not going to actually name them. Uh, what I've what I've said was my ultimate bagland side would be our under 16s um, era, where we won everything. Um, Mark Breeze was our captain. Um, Dan was playing in his in my favourite position for him to play, which was 15. Um, 
And yeah, so it, so my ultimate Bagland side would have been. Thing is, we, we've been asked to do this a couple of times over the years, and I don't remember the old Bagland, you know, like the Jimmy Owen type, you know, mm-hmm. the the pasties father, the Yashin Gregory's, uh, you know, I just I don't I I wasn't around for those games, so you know, there's 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 loads of players that would make um, a, an ultimate Bagland side. Um, but for me, my it was a pleasure for me to actually coach the under 16s um, because they were just a phenomenal bunch of players. Like I said, Mark Breeze was such a you know he was playing he was picked then for Wales under 17s. Um, we went everywhere. I took the boys all over the country. We go the length and breadth of the country just to play different opposition to give them a different you know a different um, you know, experience of playing English teams, um, and um, you know they were. We it wasn't just the players; it was the parents as well. The parents were so supportive. Um, and what you got to remember is as well is one thing I will say. You know, being a female coach in a male-dominated sport is very it can be very very difficult. You know, it can be very. Um, it's very. Uh, wearing sometimes, you know, when you you called names and you know your um, you know the players um, uh, are sort of I've got a lot. Uh, how can I say it? It's like as if they got a bit of a, a point to prove, um, and that was the good thing about the end of sixteens, you know, um, because nobody could beat them. Um, they go on the pitch and they do their talking on the pitch, you know. Um, there was many a times where I'd have the odd comment in the changing rooms, you know, or oh, don't worry, boys, you know, they got a one-man coach. And then the boys would go on then and beat them by like 40 points to nil. And, you know, they, they'd come off and they'd sort of, you know, just thumbs up. Um, but again, you know, I was just lucky that they were a very talented bunch of players. You know, I didn't do hell of a lot. Um, the only thing I did have to do was I had to scrummage against Mark Rees in training because nobody else <laughs> could do it. Um, the boys would all pair up in, and we'd do scrummaging exercises like that and Mark would be standing there and i think, oh, it's me again. And, and, and me and him would have to do like one-on-one like scrummaging. But um, they were a fantastic bunch of boys um, and, and their parents were amazing as well. So, yeah, for me, they were my favourite um, f- favorite team of, the, uh, of my whole of my career. Uh, Wendy, you you you're a credit to Baglam Rugby, you're a credit to all, but you're a credit to to everyone who knows you, and uh, that it is our son. That's a toast to Wendy Blair. Then. Toast to oh, Wendy cheers, Blair, guys! Oh, thanks, guys! I really enjoyed it. It's been Gosh. great. It's just just been having a nice chat, haven't it? Really, yeah, chatting amongst old friends. And that's and that's just been good, bringing up some memories, and and we all we all know each other through different connections, and that, and that's what the pod is about. We 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 we've spoken to people we know and and I know and and we we've not gone right out to the broader range, but I think Batalba does a good link to everyone, and and that's why I think we we we're trying to bring in in this podcast. But Josh, are we going to finish with a sporting memory? Because I I've got one in my head. If uh... um, no, you crack on this week, pal. What's your what's your sporting memory this week? My sporting memory is just going to link uh, the stars and, and Bagland to a bit, and it's the it's the first uh, Bobo day. So um, for people who don't know, Liam Liam Tudor Jones uh, 
sadly passed away in 2013. And I was I was trying to create an Andrew Harris testimonial for the stars. Andrew, who will be on the pod in a couple of weeks, um, is an absolute legend of the stars. So we were trying to create the testimonial. And at the time, I think Nathan Flynn messaged me and said, look, the Bobo boys want to want to play against you. And I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll get it going. So we only had three weeks of advertising just to get it, then we thought, oh, it'd be a great week, a great game, but basically, call this the, the wars, and it was mostly Baglam boys and, and Batalbot Select, etc., and all led to the stars. And we didn't know how big it was going to be. And um, we just come in for our warm-ups, you know, it, it was a makeshift warm-up. We just, it was Easter, Easter Sunday, everyone was just there for a few beers and a, few, a bit of rugby. And we got told we had to delay the kickoff um, for 10 minutes because there was a massive queue down Darwin Road because um, of cars coming in. And and we were taken aback by it, really. And then um, uh, a late, the late, great Darren Williams uh, started a team talk in, in the Batol, but uh, the Andrarris 15 dressing room about how much it will mean to the Bobo side. And it was probably Darren's last famous talk in a, in a rugby change room which um I, I i highly respect him in and then the game was superb and and the night was superb and, and that's where i linked my my baglan my soft spot for baglan a little bit because of our connections and through for the bobo thing and when i seen him go up it was brilliant and, and now seeing him playing in the league with with other local sides is brilliant and i i got a lot of time for them boys and we had a great night pre pre whatever lockdown we're in now in august <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what lockdown we're in, but it was some sort where we were allowed out. So we had a, a night in Baglan and uh, we had a good drink. And, and that's my sport of memory of the week because it links in very well with, with our guests. But Wendy, from me, massive thank you. You've been an outstanding guest. And I hope the listeners enjoy this as much as us to have. Um, I'm sure they will. Um, but superb. Thank you, Wendy, for your insight. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. No, I think, I, I think I'm think i going to go out on a limb here, Ford. I was thinking of doing it. I think this has been the fit, my favourite part to record, I'll be honest. Yeah, it has. Yeah. <laughs> we, we would have rather done it live so we could add a couple more carvers. And, uh, <laughs> all, I guess but... you really enjoyed yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully when, when it all uh, when it all settles down we can come to Baglan for a beer and a chat oh you will be most welcome and we can arrange a um a netball game against the Pontadawi netball club. hey I tell you what that's yeah game on yeah, yeah. just tell us when you want to come over and have your asses tanned and oh, when, no when you're playing for us when <laughs> oh right oh right okay <laughs> you're a captain when <laughs> team talk and, and this is to us winning on Sunday uh Josh I'll agree to that, Wend. Yay! 3-0 uh, for us. Two United winning 2-1. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. No, I really enjoyed this. It. Cheers, Wend. Cheers, Wend. I think, uh, no, forward from us. I think uh, for everyone else, we got, yeah, a couple of uh, things coming through. Maybe uh, might have a might have a theme song for the pod soon. Yeah, might have a theme song, uh, yeah. Uh, I know, Ben, you never right. walk alone, innit? Yeah, but where uh, Baglan? Yeah, that's an idea, Wendy. Fair enough. Can I run Baglan? Uh, RFC player actually. Nathan Flynn is involved in us. Nathan so, uh, Flynn and Jackson. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. He's good on. Uh, he's good on the old um, singing front, and yeah. I didn't realise he could even sing. Well, he's, he don't realise he can sing yet, Ben. Don't worry. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Whilst we're on it, Ford, we better mention. Obviously, Paul is in association with Shiny Vinyl. 
yeah, sorry, Jackson. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Jackson. Got that in there. Um, and oh yeah, over the next couple of weeks, we're hoping to get something around some some charity work out from the pod, and we yeah, absolutely, um, we'll announce that yeah. uh, in the week. Um, oh well, if you if you're doing anything and you you need any help, then obviously give me a shout. I'm always up for some voluntary work. Uh, thank you, Wend. Cheers, Wend. Right, forward. Oh, it's been a pleasure, When It's been a pleasure. Everyone stay safe in lockdown. Yeah. Keep uh, keep doing what you've got to do. And uh, yeah. before we know, we'll be all back to normal and uh, enjoying a few beers in the sun, watching some local sport. Josh, give my love to your parents. And um, Ford, give my love to your parents as well, love. Yeah, we'll we'll do, Wendt. All right, see you soon, guys. See you yeah. later. Stay safe. Bye. 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 Bye.